0: And welcome back to a fresh episode of the Business Growth Show. Excited to be joined by Robert Tadros today. Robert's a digital marketer, philanthropist, and investor based over in Melbourne. He's best known for founding Impressive, the fastest growing technology company in Australia, as recognized by Deloitte. Robert, a very warm welcome to the show. How are you doing?
1: Thank you, sir. It's uh, it's good to be here on the other side of the world. That's it, man. (laughs) <laughs> really good
0: for mine. <laughs> side in the pond, indeed, indeed. So, Robert, this is going to be an exciting episode. We're going to be talking all about how people can start a profitable e-commerce business in 2021. Um, we're going to be diving into the nuts and bolts of it. Is it is it worth it now? Are we too late in the game to jump into e commerce after everyone's been on the corona wagon? We're going to talk about the tech that you need to invest in and how, most importantly, it's all good having a great website, but if no one can find it, um, we know it's as, as good as dust. So we need to make sure that we're marketing to, to the right customers. Um so throwing you in at the deep end, Robert, is it—is it, is it too late to, to get into e-com in 2021?
1: No, look, I, I don't think it's ever its ever too late. Um, I sincerely believe, having founded and built and sold a number of e-com businesses, that um, you know, as long as you've got the right product um, and the right, um, I guess, the reason why you're even in business in the first place, as far as your purpose um, and where you're taking the business and what problem you're solving, you can never be too late. OK, um, I think um, absolutely, I sincerely believe that currently in 2021, there's some great opportunities um, as far as certain product categories. Um, and, you know, if you're somewhat tech savvy or you know how to use Google, it's not very hard to find which what those categories are. Um, so I, I, I do believe that you can essentially enter the e market uh, at any, any stage of the game. Um, but there is obviously there's a lot that you need to unpack before you dive straight in.
0: Yeah, and that's that's exactly it, and that's what we'll be we're diving into in today's episode. Um, so reassuring to hear that it's it's not too late. Just just at this this stage in in the year, so all good. So in terms of getting started, Robert, how do we? I mean, say we've got a few things in our mind. Is there is there some things we should think about before we just dive in and pick any random product that we want to start selling online? Should we should we be thinking about? Things like what we're passionate about ourselves or what we actually like or should we look, be looking into the markets as in what's selling well right now. But are there any things that you've had experience with both personally or with your clients um, that you could perhaps give, give our audience pointers on in terms of picking the right products to sell?
1: Yeah, I, I think you touched on it there um, briefly. But, you know, for, for me, I've always been a big believer in loving what you do because you would never work a day in your life right um, so if, if you take that concept and just apply it to getting into business and and, and e-commerce more specifically you know we think about there is abs- there's a plethora of different categories and products and verticals that you can that you can enter but if you're you know sincerely if, if you're doing if you're trying to build this e-com brand and e-com business just for the sake of chasing the flashy things the cars and the jet planes and everything else in between it's probably not going to succeed right um, yes a lot do but a lot also fail however if you're in it for the right person for the right reasons and you're sincerely trying to solve a, a, an issue or a product or a challenge uh, sorry um, solve a challenge um, it will succeed okay I've, I've been surrounded with a lot of e entrepreneurs both here locally in australia and, and internationally um, and it always comes down to why am i doing this what is my purpose Right, for for starting this brand in the first place. Um, and from there everything sort of falls into place, right? So you start to naturally attract the right audience and the right product um, and you know find the right I guess location or, or geographic location where you can start marketing marketing the brand. Um, yeah, I think the, the key here is is really, are you passionate about what you're about to get yourself into as far as the ecom game? Um, and what problem are you solving?
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I guess that's that's where the longevity side of things comes into it. Hey, Robert, in terms mm-hmm. of if you're not too interested in what you're selling, whilst it, it might be a hugely profitable item, the chances are you could get bored if things start going if things start playing up if there's issues, then you may be less inclined to actually want to fix them, to actually work on them because you're not too bothered about the product, you're not too bothered about what you're doing. Um so I guess unless unless you're selling tons and tons of it and it's it's a quick success, then uh, you might lose interest.
1: Look, and, and, and a lot do right, and that's that's the uh, that's the point here, right? Like a lot, I know. Again, a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of um, e-com startups that have that have found and landed on certain products that do extremely well and they make a lot of a lot of money. But yeah. the, the key here is: are you truly passionate about what you're doing? And is there, you know, are you? I guess driving this 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 business with conviction. Okay. Um, And what is the end goal? Like, why are you in business in the first place? I think is the key, key question. So I like to always zoom out and go, why am I about, why am I about to get into what I'm about to get into? What difference am I going to make? Yeah,
0: that makes sense. And in terms of e-commerce in general, from your experience, is it something you can be successful? And when I say that, I mean, actually drive a profit pretty quick. Or is it more of a long-term strategy, which is something we our guests talk about quite a lot in terms of marketing strategies? Or is it somewhere in the middle? Is, it, is, is, there, is there no definitive answer?
1: I'll take option C. There is no definitive <laughs> answer, right? Um, look, and it's for a number of reasons. I mean, um, I was, um, in my first e-com business, I was selling a product that was worth $39, right? Okay. Um, so the cost per acquisition for me was almost double that amount. Right. However, so, you know, a lot of business owners at that stage will think, well, if I'm spending, you know, let's call it $80 to, to, to close a $39 product or to sell a $39 product, well, that doesn't mm. make any sense. However, for me, it was about, yes, I've got a high cost per acquisition initially. Right. But the long term here is, and which is what I'm looking at, is the individual that has bought the consumer that bought the product will have to come back each month to buy the same product again. So, now, for me, it's not about the initial acquisition outlay. It's about what is the time life value of that client. And I, I think I sincerely believe in, in in e-commerce specifically. Don't just try and go for the quick wins um, and be the one-hit wonder, right? Where you close one sale and you produce a you know a crappy product that they're never going to come back and buy again. Um, if you can, you know, source or lo- look at what it is that you're selling and does it have longevity? Is it can we build a monthly recurring revenue model from it? Um, that is typically where I see a lot of e-com businesses do 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 really well and succeed.
0: Got it. So rather than thinking about the the quick hits, the quick wins, going for something that term. yeah, and that that's probably something we'll touch on a bit later in terms of the marketing mm-hmm. side of things and how to acquire customers, get them onto your site, get them converting into sales in the first place. But that's an yep. interesting point and in think and uh, something that people should probably consider that you may not make profit instantly from customers, but if you have got an item, like you said, Robert, that they might be purchasing every month, then the chances are that will soon ramp up and over time, the lifetime value of that customer could be extremely profitable.
1: Absolutely. That's, a, that's absolutely right. Um, and that has always been a key to my approach in building e businesses, is do I can I build a monthly recurring revenue model from my e store? Because I'm not interested in selling the item once. It's, it's essentially... You know, it's not a very sustainable model. Um, So if you take that into consideration and ask yourself, you know, if the product that I'm about to sell products, will the customer come back and buy more? Or are they just buying it once and that is it? Now, again, you know, there's certainly some products that have got a very high ticket, that are a very high ticket item. And absolutely, you can sell them month in there. It's about volume and getting as many customers to buy the product once right um but i found again from my experience um again for you know, probably 12 13 years now uh, the ones that do extremely well are the subscription based um, or products that can that have that monthly recurring revenue attached to them
0: yeah 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 and we know we all know there's plenty of stats out there that show it's a lot more expensive to acquire new customers than it is to to sell to your existing so once Absolutely. you've got them on board as as we'll chat through in a bit, there's so many tools and so many ways you can remarket to your existing customers and, and keep exactly. them coming back for more. As long as the product in the first place is is something that you can you can keep offering to them. Mm-hmm. Um, now moving forward in terms of actual manufacturing and distribution, perhaps we could look at two angles, Robert. Perhaps we could look at MVP, where mm-hmm. there's perhaps I know with some products there's the drop shipping model where you don't necessarily have to do m- too much. You can perhaps get a website straight away. And then a third party will manage all the the production and the distribution, all that um, shipping, all that good stuff for you. Or right on the other end of the scale, whether you set up a full operation yourself, whether that's creating the product, having your own warehouse, having a team of, of setting up all the products and all the shipping and managing the full logistics cycle, which is perhaps something that a lot of companies grow into. Um say we we want to start with a minimum viable product mvp model um what are some things that we need to consider robert
1: yeah it's, a, it's an interesting one sam i mean I've, I've i've played in both um both games um i've run a, a drop shipping business and, and and some of the challenges that i face there is you really need to take i mean ultimately it's running a very lean operation because essentially you're running on very very slim margins um, and I know, you know, currently the market is absolutely saturated as far as as, as far as dropshipping. It is a great model to get started. Um, if you are keen to learn and, and understand if you if you're new to e-commerce, it's probably a good way, a good place to start. Don't expect to make a lot of money initially, because um, as I said, you know, your margins are very, very thin. Um, and in addition to that, uh, you're not selling a very unique product right? So the consumer behavior now tells us that if I find a particular product, they're pretty savvy. They're going to go and Google it or have a look at, you know, uh, social if they get retargeted or, or another channel, and they're most likely going to find it a little bit cheaper somewhere else, okay? And then it becomes a race to the bottom, which ultimately means you're eating into your margin. So um, it's a great way to get started. And uh, look, <clears throat> don't get me wrong, there are a lot of very successful dropshipping businesses that have done extremely well. Um, but on the on the flip side, owning your own I guess manufacturing your own product again that comes with its own challenges as far as where the item is coming from um, you know is a high uh, manufacturing cost high shipping cost for instance if it's coming from Asia into Australia or into the UK or into the US that generally comes with a pretty hefty price tag um, but the, the great thing is is that there are ways to to reduce um, some of those initial initial costs that can really eat into the overall uh, profit of the of the product. Um, you know, I'm going to name drop, but a, a great partner of ours recently, Airwallex, um, which is a, an Australian fintech, which is a, it's actually a unicorn um, of, of a business. Um, you know, they, 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 they've produced a, a, a very um, cost-effective product, if you like, that can really improve margins and streamline finances within an e-commerce business. Um, typically, through a bank, you're paying very high margins. Uh, very high fee. Sorry for for transfers. You know, a lot of foreign exchange uh, with these guys. It's like ninety percent cheaper. So th- there are ways to increase margin and still be able to deliver um, the right product. You know, to the right person without having to spend a bucket load of money. Um, you know, drop shipping and and again, as I said, eating into those eating into those margins. So um, yeah, yeah. There's no right or wrong. But again, from my experience, I found that if you can if you've got the right tech stack right if i was to use that that word uh, and the right um partners you'll you'll be able to grow something pretty uh, pretty substantial by manufacturing your own your own product and it becomes yeah. unique as well
0: no i mean I, I get both sides of the coin do you think we should test the market first before we put a significant investment into things like manufacturing the products ourselves setting up our own logistics chain and all that good stuff because we could end up spending thousands, tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands, depending on what's entailed. Um, and then if our product's not necessarily a good fit or if it doesn't hit the market properly, even when when we get into marketing, um, we've perhaps wasted a ton. So is is there ways we can actually test the market or is it not that easy?
1: No, look, absolutely. And 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 hence I suggested that, you know, starting as, as a drop shipping model is actually not a bad idea. Um, as sure. I said for a number of reasons, it gives you the opportunity to test different categories. All right so you could launch an e-com site drop ship a number of different categories and really split test them against each other to see which one is actually more viable and which one's more um you know essentially more profitable um, and once you've you've landed on a on a on a product or a category that does extremely well you can now look at how you can um, finesse that product or make it better and get it manufactured and make it your own so you know i know I, once again a lot of really successful e-com businesses, that's how they've essentially started. Um, so as a stepping stone, absolutely I would recommend, you know, drop shipping to just learn the game and understand what's involved. Um, land on a category or a particular, you know, product or products that you know will do extremely well based on the testing, and then take them, refine them, redevelop them and come up with something unique, which is going to give you a strategic edge in the market.
0: I like it. The Business Growth Show is sponsored by Vidyard. Tommy was tired of cold calling and emailing his prospects and getting little to no response. He signed up for a free Vidyard account, allowing him to send personalized video emails and messages to his leads and contacts and saw results almost immediately. People loved the personalized approach and the fact he took the time to send a custom video explaining his offer and his solution. And as a result, he stood out from his competitors filled his calendar with quality appointments, and smashed his sales targets. Sign up for your free Vidyard account today at vidyard.com forward slash BGS. That's vidyard.com forward slash BGS. The show is also sponsored by Web Choice. Are you tired of hunting for clients? You could be missing out on regular inbound opportunities all because your website isn't on the first page of Google. Perhaps you're already spending money on marketing, but your website is failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a consistent flow of leads and sales. Want to learn more about WebChoice's unusual approach that brings idle clients straight to you? Book a free digital marketing assessment today at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Okay, so we've, we've got our products we've got our got our system set up in terms of how we're going to manufacture them produce them and start shipping them now's the juicy part we need the tech behind <laughs> it so we need we need a platform on which these products can sit on um yeah. and as many of us know there's there's tons of different e-commerce web platforms. Do it yourself. Obviously, you can get an agency, you can get a freelancer, you can get a team in. Um, what are some things that we should think about, Rob, before we jump into platforms like obviously Shopify is one of the big hitters. Then we've got a bunch of others, other platforms and in, in there that we can build e-commerce upon. But what are some of the things we should think about before we just Google best e-commerce platform and pick one and, and jump away?
1: My number one. And I, time and time again, this has, has occurred, number one in my business and, and, and externally as well, is location, location, location. Really put some time and effort into the TLD or the domain name that you're regist- registering. Mm. Um, there's been so many examples, honestly, throughout my 13, touching on 14 years now, where local businesses have registered a local domain, whether it's .co.uk, .com.au, .com, .com, probably not .com um, and have you know, the, the store has gone um, bananas, right? Like it's done extremely well. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, the world is my oyster. I want to go international. And right. they're very con- con- restricted by the domain, right? Something very simple that isn't taken into consideration a lot of the time. They try and go and buy the .com because they want to go global, whether it's setting up, getting a little bit technical now, subfolders or subdomains, um, and they struggle. Because number one, someone already owns the domain, and they're probably yep. trying to sell it back to them. And an, <laughs> an example that I will never forget: one of my my actually my third client, local business here in Australia. dot com. dot au done extremely well. Started getting onto the global stage. She tried to buy the dot com. They tried, they, and they were basically demanding two hundred and fifty thousand
0: USD. Wow. Okay. okay.
1: So, and I could even see through just registered history that it was only bought, you know, a year. I think it was a year. Pre, um, for, um, uh, going internationally. So they, you know, a lot of domain squatters, as I'm sure, you know, you probably agree, Sam, that, you know, they go and they buy the, the domains, they sit on them, and then they'll try and basically blackmail you and sell them back to you for, for a bucket load of money. And a, a lot of bigger businesses um, have no choice but to pay the, the, the those prices, right? So something to really take into consideration is like, what is my intention with this business? Am I taking it global and really own your domains? so
0: yeah. so critical yeah yeah great point point. and i know back in the day the another thing to consider with with domains was also the seo so the search engine optimization and how well they can stand on google um yes. so at some stage businesses were actually trying to weave in their main mm-hmm. search terms into the domain itself what are your thoughts on on that rub or do you think you should just go with your brand name
1: yeah look i'm i'm, I'm very big on building a brand right um I know the days of I mean I it's essentially when I was 17 there was those days when I was starting to you know, black hat SEO and buying blackdressonline.com, right and all I sold was black dresses now this is not actually a true story but that's what a lot of a, a, a lot of guys were doing um I think now it's um it's more important than ever to build a brand right rather than just a website with a Bunch of products because there's nothing really differentiating you to your competitors, and the reality is the online um, the online space is becoming very fierce. It's very very competitive, right? So building a brand, I believe honestly, is, is probably one of the most critical um, uh, pieces, I guess, that you need to, you need to solve and and, and work on, um, and that you know ties into your domain name. It ties into your you know your, your content, your personas, who you're speaking to. So it all sort of flows from from or stems from 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 that. So yes, it's a bit controversial. You can some SEOs SEOs would argue that those those um name domains still work. Um I argue that sure they might still work. Um however there's nothing better than having owning a brand rather than just a bunch of keywords, you know, in a in a in a domain name.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, I see the point. And yeah, I love I love the long term thinking as well. Because um, I've I've had clients in exactly the same position where they've had maybe .co.uk sites and then they've gone to purchase the .com or whatever the variant was they wanted. And then just like you say, you you realize that it's already been registered. You speak to the broker and they're like, yeah, I'd love to sell it to you. That'd be 100 grand, please. And then That's you right. pull off your chair and uh, cry, cry the rest of the day away. Um, so yeah, definitely thinking long term and probably even registering those domains just in case and thinking about kind of where where you're at and and also the fact that like you mentioned if if you're going to move a website over domains bear in mind seo and your your google rankings might take a hit so just just thinking about those those bases really
1: yeah and look you you touched on a very good point there around seo um i know you know you mentioned shopify shopify earlier which had some um, i guess some challenges with setting up um multi you know multi-stores or you know global global stores um, <laughs> one of the challenges with shopify at one stage was was um you know using this subdomain to try and um, i guess rank and optimize in certain certain locations on certain googles um i believe that that's now um, been fixed and you can essentially um, set up subfolders and i'm getting a little bit technical here but um that was a limitation on on, on a platform and has been a limitation on on a, on a number of a number of platforms so again taking seo into consideration from a technical perspective is probably just as important um to to, to consider when when looking at what type of domain you're you're purchasing and what the setup of the higher, you know the structure of the site and the site map is going to look like
0: yeah. So, I mean, this is a bit of a tricky one, Rob. So we've we've covered the domain side of things. Now, in terms of actually nailing the platform, perhaps we don't necessarily have to name drop platforms, although you're more than welcome to if you wish, of, of ones yourself or your clients have had success with. Um, but yeah, bearing in mind kind of search engine positions, bearing in mind we're, we're going to want to market the site. We've, we've already got our domain bearing in mind. We also need to think about whether, we have, whether we've got a small or a large product range. And I guess things like how easy this website is going to be to manage and update products on a day-to-day basis. What are some of the kind of considerations we need to really nail, nail down before we start picking a platform that we're either going to build ourselves or contract a professional to to get set up for us?
1: Yeah, so naturally, Sam, I mean, cost is a big one here and budget. Um, you know, there are a number of platforms here that are very much self-serve. You can, um, you know, download a theme. Um, they're pretty intuitive. Um, and to be honest, one of them, if my mother can build one, I don't think anybody can. Um, <laughs> so, you know, they've made the, the user experience, I guess, and the user interface, very simple that you can essentially just go through a number of clicks and, you know, next thing you know, you've got yourself a theme and you can start to upload products. Others are obviously a lot more complex um, and require um, developers, which in turn means, you know, you need a Substantial budget. Um, so, my, my recommendation is always to start on the self serve platforms. And, you know, I know we've spoken about Shopify a number of times here, so I don't mind name dropping them because I believe they are great and they produce a, a good product. It's um, probably a good place to start. Um, they've got some great themes, um, pretty, pretty easy to set up uh, for, for, for a startup. If you're getting into the drop shipping game, though, it does make it a little bit more difficult. Um, however, in saying that there are certain platforms that offer purely drop shipping solutions um, from end to end. So, you know, you can get on their platform, which they've invested quite heavily in, um, you can pick a theme, they'll help you with the products and the design and the user experience on the sites, um, and they'll pretty much support you from A to Z until 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 launch. So, you know, again, with the rise of e-commerce, there's, been a, there's a lot of different solutions out there as far as, um, you know, which platforms and the functionalities and, 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 what, and what they can provide
0: yeah no, i like I like that. and I like the recommendation that you can obviously start building yourself if if you've got the time to do so. There's plenty of themes around there, um mm. just basically, like you say, finding one that suits your needs, getting it set up, and then, like you say, you can always go to a a specialist to to grow it out as as and when the time comes. Are there any other things we need to think about in terms of tech or integration, Rob, whether that's payment gateways or whether that's other things that might slip our mind that actually, are pretty crucial in terms of actually enabling customers to buy from us from our from our stores
1: yeah i mean yeah there are a few i mean if we look at the tech stack really we've only spoken about um the particular platform that the the products are going to live where the products are going to live um you need to really consider the like you mentioned the payment gateways you know which payment gateways um will you will you use i mean you've got apple pay you've got PayPal, um, you've got, as I mentioned, there's, there's a number of different providers that can that can support, especially from a foreign exchange um, p- perspective. But it's 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 something that really um, you need to take the time into understanding the fees, if there are any hidden fees, or how much are they clipping off each sale, because uh, once again, that could really eat into margins. So it is critical to not just take something out of the box, to do your research and understand, all right, what is the most you know what is the most viable payment solution for me at the moment as a startup um, and what do they offer as far as growth? So can they grow with me uh, or will I have to leave and go to another provider? Um, So I think that's another one that is is pretty important um, and purely due to the the amount of fees that a lot of them charge, um, which can, as I mentioned, eat eat into the margins
0: yeah definitely definitely and they vary quite a bit um in terms of payment providers and and like you say the the percentages that they may take how long they take to set up and there's a lot of other things to consider so some good points there and this should link us nice, nicely into the marketing so before we before we jumpstart before we invest a ton in paid ads in search engine optimization retargeting influencer marketing social media marketing all these different channels we can we can go TikTok down these, and,
1: you know, yeah else. exactly before,
0: before we spend our life on TikTok and Clubhouse what could we um, I'm still not on there what can we um, what should we be doing in terms of a tracking perspective so we can actually all importantly make sure we're actually measuring what's going on with our website. Uh, before we invest the ton in actually driving customers to it,
1: yeah, it's a very, very, very good question. Um, for, for me, I mean, I, I, once again, I can't ex- I can't begin to to mention the amount of times and conversations that I've had with startups that haven't got their analytics set up correctly, right um, and they run these you know they start these businesses and and I get it right? There's a lot to do, um, but they they neglect or they they forget about the the data piece, which is, probably the most important, right? Yeah. Um, so my, my my biggest piece of advice here is find someone, whether it's a freelancer or, you know, an agency, or even if you, you know, if you really want, you can watch some YouTube videos on how to set up an analytics platform. And I think you would agree, you know, Google Analytics is probably the easiest to start with. Um, ensure that it is it has e-com functions, um, e-com tracking um, enabled, that it has been configured to a way that it can actually start to extract the right data, so that you can use it later on to understand product performance, category performance, you know, top pages, exit rates, bounce rates, sessions. There's a ton of information in there that can really assist in, you know, growing the the, the store, understanding where you need to improve it, and how you can better support the customer once they're on the website. Yeah, um, it's it's definitely something that um, I, I would have to yeah, I would stress highly. Um, it needs it needs to need some attention.
0: No, exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you've been the same, Rob, in terms of having clients that perhaps just, just didn't realize the power of analytics and the power of data. And then you've maybe taken over a web project, because I know I've certainly been there. And then you, you ask things like, how well is the website converting in terms of how many orders you're getting per day, per week, per month? And unfortunately, they, they, they just don't know. And it's not something that's kind of widely pushed when you set up an e-commerce platform perhaps on something with a theme or something like that it's not something they necessarily push towards you um or recommend you set up so yeah definitely getting google analytics set up is just just the basic just because then you can know what's going on with your site you can know the traffic you can know how well people are converting you can know the channels that they're being sent to the site to and there's so much more to it i mean we could do an episode on analytics itself
1: Absolutely. Look, and, and, and one of the most one of the biggest trends we're seeing at the moment in 2021 is, is is a lot of retailers are starting to invest quite heavily improving their online purchase paths. Right. So what I mean by that is, you know, is the experience personalized? Is are you have you personalized the experience for each consumer as they as they as they land on the site? You know, what is that enriched, I guess, you know, purchase information, size guides and instant chats, and you know, we're seeing a lot of VR now and <clears throat> um, and augmented reality. So, you know, they're trying, a lot of retailers are starting to bring the in-store experience online, and although you'll never be able to replicate it exactly, but there are some really cool tech out there at the moment, some really cool tech that can be, you know, implemented and deployed within a site to, to give that same experience, right? Um, you, you know, what is your returns policy? What, what's the customer experience around that? You know, really nailing even the fulfillment um, uh, aspect of a, of a store. and you know, ultimately, why am I going to buy from you? So really, looking at every single step of that conversion path, and ensuring that we are providing value along the way to push them into the into the conversion. So um, you naturally can't do that if you haven't got the data. So you know, and we and as I mentioned before, e-commerce has become extremely competitive. So this is really what sets apart, you know, good e-commerce stores to to those that are very average.
0: Yeah, and on that note, Rob, I'm sure we've all been on an e-com store that's really frustrating. Perhaps it's really slow to load initially. Perhaps the design itself is an absolute struggle to navigate through in terms of finding the products you want to actually get to. Um, maybe the detail pages of the products aren't very clear. Perhaps once you actually press add to your bag, it takes about 10 different steps of adding all your details. You've got to put even the primary school, the secondary school, and then the, the university you attended before you even get to, to check out and putting your credit card details in. And then 10 minutes later you've half halfway through to pricing your order. So are there any I know we're coming up to time, but are there any big no's and big yeses in terms of that path from kind of viewing products to adding to your bag and getting the order done that people need to be really aware of and big no's or big yeses that you've seen from experience?
1: Yeah, look, I mean, there's a lot, right? Um, You know, the use of colors on different buttons and, you know, there's some psychology around that. But again, we could probably do another session on (laughs) Uh, this. The big one for me is the checkout process, right? And I want, you know, the viewers and listeners right now to think, you have a product in your hand, you're about to go to the till in a shop and buy it, and then something happens, right? There's no one there. What do you do? You abandon it and you walk out. Right, because as consumers, we're just time poor and we 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 just we can't be bothered. Right, we'll go to the next store. So ensuring that you have a very fluid um, customer uh, checkout process is probably one of the most important when it comes to, to to e-commerce. You know, is the checkout page split over say two or three steps, or is it one big form that I look at and I'm like, you know what, this is too intimidating. I can't be bothered filling this out. Yeah. Right. What is the checkout um, experience on mobile versus desktop? So for me, one of the biggest areas to focus on as far as e-commerce is that checkout process. Am I making it easy for my customer to check out or am I making it difficult? Do I have pop-ups in their face when they get to the checkout pa- checkout page um, or am I making it very seamless and, and easy for them to to convert? So something definitely to, to, to consider and, and pay attention to.
0: Yeah, I love how you've broken that down. Just is it easy? Um, mm. And something I often say to people when they're, building websites and stuff like that is quite often in terms of this is me going off on a tangent but in terms of um homepages and things like that quite often businesses want to put their own messaging what they think they do how great they are and all this good stuff when really you just need to simplify the the message as in what you do how you can help people and how people can do business with you Uh, doesn't really need to be any complex than that and linking back to your e-commerce um side of things in terms of the purchase process we just want to make it as nice and easy um for people to add to the bag put in the details and get the job done um doesn't need to be anything more than that
1: exactly less is more yeah right? it's yeah. that simple um so true The more cluttered that you make that checkout process and the more complicated the higher the bounce around and the exit right, rate, and they just simply will not convert
0: great points okay um all right, so we've got we've got pretty much all our systems in place. We've, we've we know that we need to track track the data. We know that we need to keep an eye on what's going on with our site. how can we market this thing? Do we need to do we need to jump on every channel under the sun, Rob? So I hinted at Clubhouse. Do we need to get on LinkedIn. Do we need to get on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, SEO, paid ads, uh, retargeting, display ads? What else do we need to be on?
1: Well, it comes down to budget, right? So, I mean, you can definitely throw uh, the kitchen sink at it, but for for any startup. Um, and, and, and in the ecom game, you know, again, you are really trying to focus on those those margins and not eat away into into those margins too much. So, for me, a good way to start is always like a pay channel and an organic channel. We know content works, right? So. SEO really has become content now, and you're providing really good content on sites, Are you're looking at how to's if it's an e-commerce or how your product can assist a certain individual. Um, you know, you can you can write some really good content around that, put a blog on the site, ensure that it is optimized, and obviously the, the technical components of a site need to be quite, you know, quite sound. Um, so for me, my go-to, and call me a little bit biased, but SEO for me is my is still my number one channel as far as like the cheapest traffic that I can get, right? Um, And then I like to accompany that with a paid channel. So whether it's social or, um, you know, say AdWords, again, it comes down to budget, but currently we are seeing some of the cheapest CPMs on social. So it's a really good opportunity to get onto onto the platform. And there's a number of reasons why, but we won't necessarily get into that. Um, You know, social is a great channel. Um, It allows you to drive, look, decent amount of traffic at at a reasonable cost. Um, they're not all very qualified, depending on which part of the marketing funnel or the sales funnel they're at. But it's a good place to start to to build some awareness and to get some traffic to the site. Once they're there, you can you can start, you know you mentioned this earlier in the conversation, you can start to build some retargeting tools, uh, pools, right? depending on behaviors and you know which products they've clicked on, which categories and and so on, and then later on segment those out and drive certain creative to those individuals that you know have clicked on a particular category or a product. To you know, entice them to, to 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 make the to make the purchase. So, so for me, I think a good place to start is two channels. I don't like to throw all my eggs in one basket and just do one. It's my own personal opinion because I think something happens, that channel goes down, and it does happen. I mean, yeah. at the moment, as I'm sure you're aware in Australia, there's a threat that Google might close down our search engine. I have so, seen
0: that on the news. Yeah, a little bit worrying right. for, your, for yourself and clients.
1: It is worrying. So if Google decides to do that, well, guess what? Everybody that's you know spent a bucket a lot of money on SEO and AdWords and so on, well, they're gonna be on a world of hurt. So for me, it's about diversifying the risk and really just having multiple lead channels, multiple traffic channels into the site to diverse, as I said, that risk and also amplify the amount of sales and conversions that you could receive.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that, Rob. But I'm I'm completely on the same page and I think I've been pissing a lot of people off on LinkedIn or I certainly <laughs> did a while back because I was saying when when people mentioned to me or people talked to me in conversation saying they got all their business in LinkedIn from linkedin I said well that's that's great really glad the channel's working for you but essentially it's rented land so linkedin right. can move the goalposts whenever they want um so one day you might be getting tens of thousands of reach from your posts from your content from your engagement the next day that may drop and all the inbound leads you're getting from linkedin go what other channels have you got that bring in inbound opportunities that start conversations that bring in sales um, so just thinking, just because something's working well right now, it doesn't mean a month, six months, twelve months, two years down the line, it's going to be performing well. So I love the the split test approach.
1: A, yeah, and absolutely, it's a very valid point you make because I, I actually saw this. Um, it was a particular uh, particular time. I'll go back probably. Six, so seven or eight years ago now, where e-commerce was really starting to trend, and Instagram, I called them Inst- these Instagram businesses, were starting to emerge. Yeah. Right. At the time, where Instagram was just very easy to essentially make sales from, um, so a lot of these businesses grew on on organic Insta, and then all of a sudden, Instagram was like, "Uh, uh-uh, you're gonna have to pay."
0: Just to wrap things up, Rob, really appreciate the chat. Thoroughly enjoyed having you on. So thanks very much for, for your time and sharing your e-commerce wisdom with us today. Um, so on that note, please do tell us more about how people can learn from you, how people can connect with you um, and the best way to get in touch.
1: Thank you, Sam. for Simon. thanks for having me on the show. It's been, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, you can find me on my, basically on LinkedIn. It's Robert Tadros. Um, you can find me on Instagram. Um, they're probably the two most active platforms. I have just jumped on Clubhouse. But it's very, very fresh, right? I haven't even had the time to look into it, um, but LinkedIn and uh, and Instagram are probably the two most uh, active channels. Uh, alternatively, look, I'm always happy to take on you know, questions. I'm happy to assist. So feel free to drop me an email at robertatimpressive.com.au. So there you have it, three channels that you can essentially contact me on.
0: Thanks so much, Rob. And we'll link to, to all those points of contact in the episode notes over at businessgrowth.marketing. And with that, I want to thank you once again, Rob. Really enjoyed the chat.
1: Pleasure. Thank Um, you very much for having me.
0: Cheers, dude. And if you enjoyed the show, be sure to hit subscribe wherever the heck you get your podcasts from. We interview business leaders here each and every week to provide actionable tips for marketing, growing a business, and growing your sales. And with that, we will catch you on the next episode. Thanks very much.